Hey y'all, welcome to the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We are your hosts, Margo and Abby. We are friends, teachers, and storytellers, but above all, we're anxiety warriors on a mission to raise awareness and understanding about anxiety and mental health. You will hear honest, engaging, and joyful stories from us and many other anxiety warriors about living with anxiety. If you're seeking a space to laugh, connect, feel inspired and empowered, and learn valuable tips rooted in mindfulness and more, your warrior community is here for you. Join us as we navigate this journey of life together. Welcome back, warriors. We are excited that you've joined us again today. Mm -hmm. And you are going to be excited because we have just the most incredible guest for you all today. Yes. One of the best, best Mm -hmm. of the guests. Mm -hmm. That's yep. Yeah. She's incredible. And we cannot wait for you to meet her and hear about her journey. Her name is Becky Fontaine. And before Abby hops into her recap, let me let you all know a little bit about who Becky is. Becky Fontaine is a mother, a musician, a self-professed trauma alchemist, and a joyful dichotomy of wants to be in bed reading in silence and wants to be on stage giving it her all. She is a survivor of parental loss and intimate partner violence and is working every day to reframe her life experiences into pieces of her own personal triumph. I mean, we talked in the episode about how obsessed we were with this bio. You had mentioned it and I didn't agree, but I, I mean, it, I mean, I didn't, I didn't agree vocally on, you know, on the episode, but man, this bio kicks ass bio, but also the questionnaire, like you could just feel her vibe through it all. Yes. You're like, oh, she's fucking cool. Yeah. Right. Fully authentic. Yeah. And then yeah. she lived up to it too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you could just like the way she writes and then the way she speaks and you're like, wow, I want to be her friend mm-hmm. by sitting in a quiet room, wearing a weighted blanket and everyone reads. And right. Just reads to themselves with some separation as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dream. <laughs> All right, Avi, let's hear about this chat. Yeah. So like we've already both said, Becky's amazing. You're going to fall in love with her and you're then going to go follow her on tour. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Becky starts out by sharing how anxiety is the longest relationship that she's had in her life. And basically every memory she's ever had, um, she notices anxiety in those memories. She shares how a lot of anxiety for her shows up as scanning for exits, uh, really just to get out of situations in order to keep her safe. We touch on grief um, and how when she was younger, she was experiencing grief, but we weren't educated enough on on how to navigate grief um, as kids or adults and how at a young age she thought that she had won grief and she was even praised as a prodigy uh, for grief um, and later on realized that no people don't win grief um, and that it can show up and cause a lot more anxiety if it's not dealt with. Uh, Becky, uh, really talks about how even now knowing about anxiety, you know, it's a constant work in progress, especially because anxiety is a shapeshifter. And so you have to be a little bit more clever than anxiety to catch it when it's changing its shape. Um, she just ends with beautiful advice about taking up space. Um, but I'm not going to ruin it because you all got to just hear it from her, her mouth, her voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just an honor connecting with her, like truly. Yeah, she's amazing. And, um, you know, this this conversation is going to stick with me for a long time. Same. And we know it's going to stick with you too, Warrior. So without further ado, 
Here's the show. Welcome, Warriors. Yay. We are so excited that you're back with us today. We are joined by a fabulous guest, Becky. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Yay. I, I just have to say, so like, this is my first time meeting you, um, but I've been super excited for this episode just based on the way you answered your questions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is so cool, right? And so, no, I have bad no news. Pressure, I'm not that but... cool. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I would have to hard disagree. I don't know. I have to hard disagree. I mean, lead vocalist of a, of a band, like, I mean, that alone is a, is a kind of cool factor that Abby and I will never understand no. just ever. No. We'll dream about, we'll wish we could understand it. Yeah. We do a lot of singing on this podcast, a lot of bad singing, but oh. anyway, anyway, we're so excited to welcome um, a fellow warrior into our little weird uh, orbit here. And so we're going to just dive right in. So just share with our listeners how anxiety has shown up in your life. So anxiety is unfortunately the longest friend or longest relationship I've had in my life. Uh, I just turned 45 and I think it is, it shows up in, you know, in every memory that I can kind of come up with. Like I had a, a marker of trauma very early in my life and everything since then has been very filled with, you know, a lot of the tendrils that come from, um, from trauma. Right. So yeah. now it kind of shows up as being the thing that makes me look for an exit strategy in every location, you know, physically, mentally, <laughs> you know, what is, how do I get out of this situation? Um, that is like the, 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 the marking stone of, of how anxiety shows up in my life. It's the, I need an exit strategy. Mm. I'm unsafe. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, I just, I mean, everything you're saying, I just have chills. <laughs> yeah. Like Same. I so feel, yeah. Like I feel what you're saying. And also I really appreciate the way you put it right? Like anxiety is my longest relationship. I was like, I think it's mine too. Right. Like, I, and then I started just thinking about like how the relationship yeah. has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or that exit strategy, like I won't even, but I just felt that I'm still feeling it. I still have chills when you say yeah. that. Right. Like uh -huh. I, I, I so relate. Um, I guess like my first question in this is, so you are in, you're either a cusper or you're an older millennial like us. Right. So, yeah, I was born in 78, just turned 45 two weeks ago, a week ago. I don't even remember. That's where yeah, I'm at in life. Yeah. Happy belated. <laughs> what is time? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we were born 82. So okay. we're yeah. right around that. Yep. And so, you know, growing up, like trauma wasn't barely a word, right? Like yeah. Yeah. you would hear about it once in a while, but even then no one understood it. Right. Yeah. And, and even Margot and I have talked a lot about anxiety, not being an emotion or a thing. And, yeah. you know, and so my question is, when did you realize that what happened in your childhood has something that then became a part of you all, all through your life? Like when we are like, Oh, this is connected. Yeah. And this is anxiety that stems from this. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it was not an immediate realization, right? Like, so I um, experienced loss at 13. My father died in a plane crash. And so as a 13 year old, like you're still like, wait, people can just not be there one day. Like that is, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, he had a sickness and we had time to prepare. It's like one day he was there and then he wasn't. Um, and 
I remember attending a lot of um, like group therapy sessions. My mom and my brother and I attended at um, a, a program that was local to us. And somehow along the lines, I became somebody who was involved in providing um, counseling services to children younger than me through this program. Mm. So me being who I am, it was like I wanted to win bereavement. It was... <laughs> I could, I could be good. I could get good at this. Like I could do it so well that I could help other people in their grief. And so in doing that, I skipped a lot of the process that I needed to heal. Right. So I just kind of glossed over it. Like I was in the newspaper as like, they, you know, they did a little thing on me as like a child prodigy in grief, which sounds cool. Right. Until you realize, (laughs) wow, that's actually fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe they did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, look yep. at this child yeah. who is taking yes. the weight of yeah. all these other children's stress and trauma so from bad. that. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. like, I think about five years had gone by and I was 18, maybe 19. And I remember I hit a wall where I just couldn't function. I couldn't communicate with people. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't shower. And it was like, I had just slammed into a wall and I remember my mother asking me like, what is wrong with you? And I just broke. (laughs) And so that was the first time that I actually started receiving like one-on-one therapeutic services, worked with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And so those words were introduced to me in that time frame. Um, And you said you were 18. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was right. It was either 18 or 19. It was right in there. I probably somewhere smack between the two. Um, so, you know, I had gone five years without really addressing anything. Um, and then it was like, surprise, <laughs> you're going to deal now. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. So that's where the introduction of the terms or what I was feeling kind of came in. And I have that comorbidity of depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, and with other kind of traumas that I have experienced in life, those things have kind of ebbed and flowed together. Yeah. I was curious when you said, when you started labeling some of the symptoms, you know, we've had guests talk about depression and anxiety or just depression or, you know, depression at this stage of their life, more anxiety in a different stage of their life or, you know, vice versa. And so I was going to follow up. And if you were comfortable saying like, Hey, was that diagnosis of depression or was it something else? Um, but you just, you just answer that for me, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I just have another question because I'm, I'm so, So, um, I lost a parent as well, but I lost my parent, um, in my thirties, right. Mm -hmm. I lost my dad in my thirties to cancer. So very different experience. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand grief in that sense and it's so heavy and it's so complicated. And so I'm just really curious, like I get at at 13, it's like, wait, I can help others. Right. Oh, (laughs) I did my thing. I'm okay. I don't really understand grief because no one in the eighties and nineties really understood (laughs) grief too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so my, my question is, do you feel like you kind of carried other children's trauma too? Like, do you think that was part of like the wall by the time you're 18 is like holding all these other people's grief stories as well? I think so. And I think it became this weird thing where I was holding their pain instead of my own um, because of the nature of the trauma I experienced. Like, you know, with his accident, I didn't have like a traditional kind of 
funeral and burial experience. So Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of closure that I was able to have and process for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think even just the the suddenness of it, my young undeveloped brain had a hard time really understanding like what that meant. I knew that my father died. I knew that there was a terrible accident. You know, I knew these things. I knew that we buried him, but like, what does that mean in the middle? Like there's even with like the investigation into the accident, like that took a couple of years. So it just extended the time that it took to get closure that Mm -hmm. I think in the meantime, I was like just focusing on other people's like how I could, you know, how I could help them or how I could not ignore my own pain, but just put mine to the side to help other people through theirs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially getting praised is like this prodigy, right? It's yeah. like, look how yeah. strong I am. I'm doing great. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, gold star, <laughs> gold star, right? It's just, yeah. it's that, it's the pressure that it's bad enough when we, we, I, I'll speak for me. I put enough pressure, right, on ourselves in any stage of life, but especially yeah. around that age, and you're learning so much about the world and you're questioning so much about the world at that age too, Mm -hmm. that to not have the ability to fully grieve yourself and learn what, A, what is grief? B, you know, how can I navigate this for myself before I, I mean, it sounds, it's, I hate to laugh and excuse me if I I don't want to, I hope I'm not being offensive when I do. It's just, it's so ludicrous to me that you were asked to support children as a child. Like that is, it, it actually brings tears to my eyes. It's very frustrating to hear. I can't even imagine maybe layers of resentment. Like I'm curious if there was any of that, you know, when you talked about hitting that wall. So what was the, what was the experience other than some of those physical manifestations that you were mentioning, like of, more of just the emotional side. And if it's too triggering to talk about, just tell me, yeah, it's fine. You're, you're we, can, we can move <laughs> on. But I'm just curious, yeah. like, you know, speaking from like the emotion standpoint, what was going through your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, like I talked about, like at that age, you don't even, it doesn't even really register to you that like death is a, a real tangible thing. Like, you know, it could happen, but it happens to your 90 year old grandparent. It doesn't happen to your 32 year old father. You know what I mean? So in that time, it was like, death was not a possibility. And then it was a reality. And then it was like, okay, I need to kind of figure out how to navigate this. But emotionally, it didn't really set in and I think even there are days now where I'm like oh my god like I I think last year around this time I had to call my friend over because I was circling my house in in a panic attack like Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop moving I'm like oh my god oh my god everybody I know is gonna die one day and I don't know when and I can't stop it and oh my god how do I function with that (laughs) so I start cleaning the house like here's what I can do like (laughs) So like it, it's this thing that kind of comes in and out. And I don't know if it's because it was never processed properly in the beginning, or if that's mm. just the nature of the anxiety beast, like yeah. there is no rhyme or reason. 
right yes it just does what it does yeah it just shows up and then makes you afraid of every losing everything and then telling you oh but you can control your silverware drawer like go clean that go clean that out real quick yeah absolutely (laughs) oh my I love that that last thing you said which was just like is there there is no rhyme or reason sometimes especially for us warriors there is sometimes we can't explain away a feeling an experience something that we're navigating even if we have, sometimes I feel like I still have no idea that it's anxiety until 20 minutes later and I'm starting to calm down. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, no. that thing was yeah. going on 20 minutes ago. That was just my good yeah. old, my good old friend anxiety, yeah. right? Just showing, rearing her ugly head. But yeah. um, talk to us a little bit more if you can, and you can sort of speak to young you versus like more recent years you about how anxiety shows up in you like physically. Yeah. So like we've had people talk about like nail biting or like, you know, things like pulling <laughs> Profuse out their sweating. hair. Or, yeah. Yeah, right. And so yeah. like, what are some of the physical manifestations and like your mind, body or behaviors? Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine I'm not speaking for everyone who has anxiety, but I imagine for most of us, it is a very somatic or like, you know, body centric thing. For me, it is definitely that Um. it's a feeling in my stomach. It's a feeling in my chest. It's me going catatonic on the couch because I can't bear to get to the bathtub where I know I'll feel better if I can float. But the thought of walking 10 steps to it is like devastating. Mm. It's days where I don't want to wear my skin anymore. Like everything's touching me. (laughs) Make it stop touching me. (laughs) Wow. So um, it's all very of all over the place but um I think that the places that shows up most often is like I said in my chest in like if um if I feel a panic coming on it's a cold sensation in my face it's my stomach it's my sleep being completely disrupted like Mm -hmm. I don't think I have (laughs) gone to bed without some sort of sleeping um aid for probably five close to five years now I'm unable to sleep on my own it's just there are nightmares, there are night terrors, there's evenings are very hard for me. Like when the sun goes down, that's when everything kind of kicks into overdrive. So I generally try to put myself to sleep at an hour before that happens. So I make no um, apologies about being in bed by nine. Yes. I'm I'm out. (laughs) Me and my weighted blanket and my soothing (laughs) noises and my fans, like we're in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I so feel so much. I wish I was in bed at nine. Like I'm envious. You're a grown up. I well, I have (laughs) dogs and my dogs like to do their final potty at 10 and, and I would rather go to bed at 10 than wake up at six. Right. So it's like a trade off, like, you know, Um, (laughs) but I, I envy you in one day. I, I hope to be in bed at nine. (laughs) Um, but when you were painting the picture of of the when you're just like so uncomfortable and you know the thing that will help and yet you can't even take the steps to get there, like I am there with you. It's oh, hard, and it's hard because because <laughs> you can even see it. You're like, yeah. I know I should do this thing. Why aren't I doing this thing? Just do this, yeah. right? And so there's like the <laughs> wanting to do the thing but not wanting to do the thing, and then the overthinking of. And I was like, when you the way you painted it, I was like. <laughs> That part yeah. is so exhausting about anxiety. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no then the shame you feel for not doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then yeah. when you finally do it, you're like, why didn't I do it earlier? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a cycle. What a cycle it's it is. It's so fun being a person, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh man. I can very much relate to, and I, I got, I got, I had to like process it and I'm still processing it. When you said that you like something and now I'm going to fuck it up, but it was like, I want to be out of my skin. Yes. Like oh, everything's yes. touching me. I'm yes. like, oh yeah. Like I <laughs> really felt that in my, my, like somewhere in the depths of my soul. Yeah. And it's just because the world is so over, I'll, again, speak, the world is so overstimulating. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not 100%. just the clothes. Yeah. It's not just the clothes we wear. It's all the sounds. It's all the sights. It's every sensor. I mean, maybe it's just, yeah. you know, a lot of us warriors also have sensory processing issues or auditory yes. processing issues, yes. ADHD, right? All of mm-hmm. these external um, experiences make us want to jump out of our skin and be like, I'm so tired of being a person. What <laughs> yes. the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Let yeah. me just take a break from the skin, peel it <laughs> yeah. off for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Let it chill out. Let it settle down. Cool that. off. Yeah, I would right. love that. Like you could just unzip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a brilliant. I I don't know. Some someone should have come up with that. Some some entity should have come up with that system. I don't. Whatever you're, you know. But but I just I really felt that moment. I feel like there's such a deep and raw honesty to everything that you've said so far. But I I just want to validate that. For some folks, hearing that might be like, whoa, that's a lot, but not here. These, yeah. these are the people that are going to fully feel and appreciate that. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you said it because I think you, without me even knowing it, you validated something that I feel all the time. So thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> so what are some of the go-tos? What are some of the strategies? Talk to us. Like you mentioned, like, Hey, if I could get to the top and I could just float, maybe that yeah. helps. Right. So when you notice that you're in the middle of an anxiety moment, or you're really in the thick of it, or maybe you even like feel it coming to the surface, what are some of the things that support you? Yes. So I think that kind of comes back to the exit strategy, right? Like, I think there's a bit of a comfort in being self-aware to know where, when I'm at my limit and what mm-hmm. I can do to get myself in like a window of tolerance. Um, so if I'm at home, that does mean the bathtub. That does mean, you know, weighted blanket time. I've got one on the couch. I've got one on bed. Um, in public, like I, have you guys ever heard of the Apollo band? No. Okay. So I, it's a wearable. Oh, yes. Oh my yes. God. Okay. After we hang up, you have to tell me way more. Cause I have seen this multiple times. I've been so curious about this. I have had it for close to three years. Oh my I gosh. Nonstop. I love it. So okay. just like the vibrations kind of. I want to know more like about it now. Me. Forget okay. about it. After. Tell us okay. about it right now. Okay. <laughs> so the Apollo is a wearable that you just, you can use on your wrist. You can use it on your ankle. Um, it also has a clip now, so you can like wear it inside your clothes. Um, it didn't have all of that when I first got it. I, it was very new when I got it. Um, it's a little bit costly, but they do have payment plans. And I will admit that that's how I obtained mine. Um, but it's like a little rectangle that vibrates 
using sound wave patterns in different mm. frequencies and different patterns. So when you get it, you download an app on your phone and it has different options. Like if you need something like a rescue mode, like you are coming down off a big panic attack, it might vibrate a little bit more intensely just to remind you you're here, you're mm. real, you're safe. Like, you know, it can be um, just like a rescue aid. But if you just are feeling a little off, and you just want like a little bit of a reminder, it might tap and and waves are a little bit more gentle. So I wear this constantly. It tracks how many minutes. I don't have my phone within reach, but I could tell you like the, the number of minutes that it has vibrated for me, like it has gone through waves. It is one of my staples. <laughs> um, I, I do I recommend have... it. Okay. I have a question. Go, go. Do you... Are you in control of how it vibrates or is it monitoring yeah. you physiologically? No, it does not. It keeps no biological information. Like you can say, I want to use, oops, um, I want to use um, like a, a, a calming one for yoga. I'm going to do yoga. So you could tap the yoga button in your app and it'll initialize and do like, you know, breathing. Like it'll, it'll like simulate your breathing. Like it vibrates up. And then vibrates down and up and down. So you are in control of how and when it vibrates. You can either turn it on yourself, like by tapping a mode, or mm. if you're like me, sometimes I know certain parts of the day where my brain slides out or I get a little tired. 3 p.m. It just starts. It goes on a wake up mode. <laughs> like it has. A so it's on right now. Is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Nobody wow. can hear it. You know, it's not like a, like, it's not annoying like that. You can wear it while you sleep. Like you can program it to like, if you find that like one o'clock in the morning, you tend to wake up with nightmares. You can program it for right before that. And it'll try to help Mm. keep you in your deep sleep. Yeah. And so, okay. (laughs) So is this tool, is it more of like an anchoring into helping you be more embodied and present? Is that exactly? Yes. Yep. And it helps. All right. It does help. (laughs) I got my review. I've been looking at this for yeah. over a year now. Yeah. And if you can't talk to people about it, you're like, is this real? You know? No, it's real. It's real. And <laughs> when we're done, I will look and show, I will screenshot to show you guys how many minutes I have utilized it since I've had it. And you're just going to be like, okay, yeah, she's really actually. It's helpful. <laughs> that is so cool. I love, I love, I love learning about new tools that I have never heard of before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Ab that you've been looking at this for over a year and you and I have never had a conversation about it is also kind of telling. But I mean, how many different things have I looked it? at? Yeah, you know, like come on. <laughs> also, also not shocked that you were perseverating <laughs> on it for a year. Um, wow, that's so cool. That's mm-hmm. that is. I love that 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 it offers you something that's that is physical. Yeah, but that it actually winds up right, like telling your body that you're safe, which is telling your yes. mind that you're safe. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's. That's so brilliant. I love it. I actually got it when I was in a phase where my anxiety was so bad that I would have to leave the grocery store because people would come up behind me with carts too fast Mm -hmm. and I would be, my body would just shit out. You're in danger. They're going to hurt you, you know? And so I was like, all right, I'm a mess. I got to try something different. Like I'm on my meds, like things are working, but they're also not like, what else can I try? (laughs) And so I, on a whim, tried this after, like you said, like looking at it for a while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So glad I did. (laughs) Wow. Incredible. Wow. 
Okay. I, I just, I feel that like when you gave the, <laughs> the, you know, example of like the grocery store, like uh-huh. I feel that stuff, like mm-hmm. it's just chronic and exhausting, but like on the outside, we all look like people just going about their day in the grocery yeah. store, but on the inside, it's like, you're too close to me. Yeah. SOS. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just want to like whip your cart around and like <laughs> shove into their cart, like back up. What are you doing? So close yeah. To me. Yeah. Why are you walking so fast? <laughs> yes. My goodness. That's the thing though. It goes back to like the rhyme or reason. It's just like some, something like I had said to Abby in like the last few months, I've been struggling in restaurants. This was never an issue that I had before, but like now, and now my brain's sort of ready for it. And so it yeah. winds up inducing the anxiety before it even comes. Cause I'm like, oh no, I'm in a restaurant. Am I going to have a panic attack? Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just like, who knows why this is, I mean, to, I, if I had to try to guess, right. It's like, all right, it's probably just overstimulation. Who knows? It could be a million things, but, and sometimes at different points in our lives, we're going to be met with new things. So it's yeah. always great that someone like you, right. Is, and someone like, hopefully all of us are able to remember that we don't have to be stuck in our strategies. We can continue to find something new, yeah. something creative, something that may work. It may not. And then yeah. you, you try it and you move on if it's not helpful, you know? Yeah. Well, All right. So if you could describe your relationship to anxiety, how would you describe it? Now you kind of said it was your like first relationship. <laughs> We've had a lot of folks lately give us like their Facebook status to their anxiety. <laughs> which I, we thought is clever. So obviously it's that complicated, helps. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the warriors share that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would, if we're doing Facebook statuses, I would say it's complicated, but I would also say that it is a constant work in progress. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the work that I have been doing in therapy has, you know, not made anxiety disappear because I'm not naive to think that, I'm just going to get rid of it one day. And that's that. Um, I think that it is shape shifted a lot um, as my coping mechanisms have. Um, so, and my kids think it's hilarious, by the way, that I can be somebody who can be so anxious and so messy and so overstimulated, but then be on stage. Like they think that dichotomy is just <laughs> ridiculous, which I, I agree it is, but it's also a testament <clears throat> to the shape-shifting of my anxiety, right? Like it has become a partner of mine, but not the front runner of mine. And so I am able to ask it to step aside just for the 30 minutes that I'm on stage um, because that does give me an opportunity to burn it out similar as like a workout, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But right before and right after, like right before I'm in my weighted blanket, right after you got an hour before I need to be in a quiet room by myself. Mm -hmm. um, But two years ago, I could not have, or even three, I could not have imagined being in a location with so much movement and noise. Um, So it's just, it's interesting to see how things kind of shift and manifest you know, not even by year, by season, like, Hey, we're, we're in seasonal depression season now. So like, look out, these things could kind of <laughs> come back a little bit as the, yeah. as we get less light. So, yeah. I, wow. I really appreciate the way you talk about it being a shape shifter. Cause, <laughs> yeah. cause we've talked about anxiety in a few different ways. Like, I feel like I've used words, like it's sneaky. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it tells me like, you know, I should be worried about something when like, really I shouldn't. Right. But it's like, no, we're concerned. Right. Or like, (laughs) (laughs) and it takes a while to be like, no anxiety. 
you're overreacting right now. Yeah. This is not this is not something we have to be concerned about. Or yeah. or if we do, you don't have to overreact like this and drive me nuts during it, yeah. right? Or or sometimes it's just the subtle thing that like makes me want to like check out on my phone, or, right? Like yeah. I just love that you use the word shapeshifter because it truly it's so sneaky and it yeah. sometimes wants to figure out new ways to be in relationship, right? And and if yeah. we're not like quick enough, we don't realize it's come on as a new shape. Yeah. Right. And yep. so I love, I love that language that you use because I just, I, I felt it so much in, <laughs> in my relationship with anxiety. It's yeah. like, it's pretty clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clever bitch, that anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm more clever. <laughs> clever girl. Yeah. It's so funny because I, and Becky won't know this, but I call my anxiety Bertha. So like Bertha is just, <laughs> you know, she's my, my anxiety BFF, I guess. But she does show up differently. Right. And I never, you, it's like, she's wearing different clothes and she's more of a hot mess on some days and a little bit more, more yeah. like, like an organized lawyer on other days, like presenting her arguments to why I should be very upset about something or what yeah. worked up or whatever. And so like, I, I never really considered it like a shape, like the, I love the, I, and I'm thinking of, um, is it Camilo from Encanto? <laughs> is it Camilo? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It's Camilo, like right? It's Camilo. Yeah. Blob? Yeah. Yeah, it, I couldn't yeah. remember if it was if it, if I had the right name or not. I think it's for, the right name for the kid for the kid. Anyway, yeah. but like I had that picture. It's like, oh yeah, it's like become this other thing within mm-hmm. ourselves, and it does change moment to moment, season to season, year to year, and who knows? But yeah. I love it. It's complicated and it can shape shift. <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so if you could step back in time and speak to a younger version of yourself, what kind of advice would you offer? Life advice, I think I would want her to know that it is okay to take up space and that you do not have to be perfect doing it. Mm. Um, I think I am someone that is very open about my mental health journey. I feel like when I hold in my secrets, I get sicker. And so I'm constantly like using my social media to talk about where I'm at, you know, whether Mm -hmm. that's like, I haven't been able to get off the couch in four days or, Hey, this is like the other day I was able to celebrate the four year anniversary of the day that I walked into an emergency room, having unaliving thoughts and ask, you know, ask for help for myself. Like that's like another birthday for me. Yeah. Um, So I really think that the most important thing I could have taught myself, or I wish that, I don't want to say I wish I would have learned earlier because then you change your whole journey, but I would want little me to know that, you know, she can take up space as messy as she is and Mm. she belongs anywhere. So, oh, yeah, so many chills. I just, yeah. I mean, I think, I think everyone can relate to that, you know, especially like anxiety does want to keep us small. Anxiety doesn't want us to be like a target, whatever, you know, whatever target that means. Right. And so it's Mm -hmm. so easy to like dim ourselves and shrink ourselves or the only time we can be seen is when it's perfect. Right. Cause then we're safe. (laughs) Right. Um, right. But what's perfect. Right. It's like, who's (laughs) to say what's perfect. Are you deciding? Is the world deciding? The the newspaper is deciding when they highlight you (laughs) as a prodigy. That's who's deciding when you're 13. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was, I, I just, think that story is going to stick with me for a very yeah. long time. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> so, 
bizarre. It's so bizarre. Think about now, like I have to catch myself now. Like if I I need to call, like my basement flooded not that long ago and I needed to call, you know, services to get (laughs) it cleaned up or check, you know, what was going on. I had, it took me like three days to make the call because I didn't want to make the call not knowing what question to answer. I couldn't just call to ask a question or to not know, like I had to know everything going in. Cause I was afraid to feel stupid. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the ways that my anxiety manifests. Like I don't want to look stupid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? Like you're not a plumber. You're not supposed <laughs> to know. Just call and say there's water. Like come on. <laughs> Let them figure the rest out. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Margo and I recently had an episode that's very similar where we don't want to be an inconvenience. Right. Yeah. So So part of me, like when I hear that plumber story is, yeah, I definitely don't want to look stupid. Like who wants to look stupid? Right. But also if I don't have the answers, then I'm inconveniencing them in their job. Yeah. 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 And round and round we go. Yes. (laughs) It's so relatable. Honestly, every, every, I mean, everything you're saying is just completely, it's like, yep. Check. Box checked, box checked. Yep. Sounds right. I, I think I shared to Instagram on our account last week. It was like for Halloween. It was like, oh, it's a haunted house, but it's just an empty room with a phone. <laughs> and you have to make that appointment you've been putting off for like six yeah. weeks. Or I'm making it more wordy than it needs to be. That's yeah. My ammo. But it was basically like that. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, I don't know what it is about making phone calls. I almost wish my mom used to make, I wish she had made me make phone calls as a kid. Yeah. Because I do feel like if I had to, make my own appointments or schedule think maybe not little kid but like maybe a teenager I could have made mm. some of my own appointments or whatever yeah. and now I have such fear I need to like write down what I'm gonna say and it's a whole freaking production it's yeah yeah crazy anyway it's not crazy it's anxiety <laughs> yes <laughs> okay um so final question before we get into some lightning round fun mm-hmm. what does being an anxiety warrior mean to you when you hear this phrase what comes up I feel like for me, it means that I am able to show up publicly, authentically, as messy as I am, and allow others to love me as I am or to see where I'm at presently so that they know how to interact with me, Mm. but also to model that you can be this while also being this. You can be messy and you can be on stage. You can be, you know messy and hate the way that your body looks and still put it out there for the world to to see like I I feel like being an anxiety warrior means that your vulnerability is something that is like a superpower for yourself and others Mm. yeah it's it's what we all have right we all have our own voice Mm -hmm. our own unique story it is the gift that we have to give to others yeah And I mean, right, exactly. Modeling that, like I have anxiety and yet I'm on a stage with all these eyes on me, right? Like, like that is a superpower. Like I have it and yet I can still do these things. Yes. And so can you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. If I can do it, you can do it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's about bringing people along with you. Yeah. Right. It's about bringing people along with you. So we all can remember that we're not alone in this. Right. Wow. Oof, amazing. Oof. I know. I'm like, are we really nearing the end of our conversation? I, know. I just want to hang out and I hold know. each other with weighted blankets, you know? Like, <laughs> we all have our own just, separate area. Yes. Yeah. 
very separate areas. <laughs> we can sit in silence yes. under our blankets. I'll together. bring a good book. I can be quiet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, so... oh, I feel this. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, your story, um, and so many insights into who you are, but also so many juicy little nuggets that our warriors can take away from listening to you. Right. And that's, that's always the goal. Like we're saying here at the end, which is to bring people with us on our journeys and being honest about it, being vulnerable about it, using our voices is the way to do that. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. (laughs) My pleasure. Okay. Well, it's time to get down in the mud now and play for a few minutes because Abby (laughs) and I are, again, we're endlessly uncool and you know, we I like mean, to do I think dorky we're things. Cool dorks. I think I would yeah, give us. Like, I am definitely a cool dork. So okay, we're all yeah. In good company here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. We we'll own our dorkiness. That's cool enough, exactly. right there. Okay. All right. right. That's Is it, super yeah. Cool. Okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. We're very cool. I take it back. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We're cool dorks. <laughs> How dare you? We're very cool dorks. <laughs> okay. Fine. 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 Forgive me, warriors. Okay. So here comes the official sting, Becky. Are you ready for? Lightning round. <laughs> Lightning. Okay. So Abby and I are going to go back and forth and just ask you a handful of fun, silly, get to know you type questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go first. Okay. So you mentioned in our first email exchange that you have tiny altars of comfort. Mm-hmm. And I am just. I want to hear what is on these altars of comfort. (laughs) So any room that you go into in my house has like little collections of things. So usually that's like textile items that I can just pick up and play with or um, oils or like sages, incenses that I can burn, like little collections of things that I go to for comfort. A lot of times there's like a page ripped out of a book there, something that I like to read or a picture of my children, just little places like no matter where I go in my home that can center me like Aww. the second I walk in. I turned it off right now, but here in my living room, I always have a sound machine going on with water noise. So I never have to walk into a house that's dead silent because I hate that. <laughs> so everything right. here is very set up for like centering no matter where you go. I love it. And it sounds like it. joyful too, like pictures yeah. of your kids or yeah. you yeah. Know, <laughs> a, a, something for a page from your book, right? Yeah. Like, yeah centering and also joyful. Love that. Yeah. Um, I think of like inception, right. When like Leonardo DiCaprio had that, his little, like, what, what did he call it? Like a token or whatever to like, see if he was in this world or the other. I don't know. Anyway, but I love, I love the idea of like sparking joy in every room of the house, because I feel like that's not necessarily something that folks might do. Right. It's just like, maybe you have like your one room where most of your joy lives, but the rest of your home is kind of just like, ah, it's just a kitchen. It's just a bathroom. (laughs) And, but yeah. to have like a little something centering you in each room, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. I might have to do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I like that. Um, okay. So you mentioned also that you uh, are happiest on the road. I am. Okay. I am. So tell us like your top two to three. I always hate saying like number one or favorite, right? Places that you've most enjoyed seeing while I'm, I'm assuming when it says happiest on the road, are you, are you touring? Is that yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. So while touring, so not like you went off somewhere at some age and you traveled mm-hmm. like while touring, what are some of your most like favorite places you've been to? Um, well, I can talk about places that may not seem like anyway, 
So I have different answers for, for all of those. So recently we were in Gainesville, Florida, which doesn't sound like the top destination in the world, like <laughs> we would think of traveling, but the environment that was created there um, was something that was really special. It was like a, fest, a punk festival that was three days and the community that was there makes it something just out of this world. So that's definitely mm. something that I would want to include. Um, we are heading back to Europe this year um, to mostly Germany, like we did last December. So there's a lot of spots there that were amazing in their own ways just to be playing music in another country I don't know that I would pick I really liked the Netherlands at Christmas time that was something that was really special um Berlin I enjoyed just because it was something like I never thought in my life that I would be in Berlin Germany much less playing music so yeah, <laughs> yeah there's um I've had the opportunity to see a lot of cool places um, and I feel like I'm just getting started on that. So maybe next year we check in and I'll have a new list for you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I, I love that Gainesville, Florida was included, right? Yeah. That's what I was first hoping. One. Something super random it, that's that like, random. no one would think of, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. Adam told me you guys are big in Germany. I was like, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Okay, cool. Um, all right, let's see. So let's stick on the road trip theme here. Yeah. So do you have a favorite road trip song or mm -hmm. genre of music that is like your typical for when you're like on the road? Yes. Uh, I would say genre of music more than anything because being on the road is very chaotic. You know, like I do love and live in that chaos, but for somebody who's already sort of anxious and out of sorts, as, you know, generally speaking, being on the road can be difficult because your your stuff is never in one spot. <laughs> you know, you're not sleeping in the same spot all the time or you're just kind of go, go, go. Your sleep schedule is wild. Um, so when I'm traveling, especially, um, but even at home, but I tend to listen to like neoclassical and classical and like very soothing music that's not, you know, mm -hmm. driven by words or loud sounds. Like I like to keep myself centered on something that's very just chill. <laughs> Very chill. Amazing. I feel so if you see me in the grocery store with earphones on, that's yeah. <laughs> and don't talk to you. Let you enjoy yeah, the music, don't. right? Like no, this means no talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should be very clear, people. That was one of our other previous guests said too. Jesse, Jesse. talked yeah. about yeah. If the earphones are in when I'm food shopping, just let it be. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's okay, great. I'm gonna keep in the music theme. So okay. I I don't totally know this. So is your band punk? Is yeah. it okay? It's punk. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So. This is like a two-part question, okay? But what Loophole. is like a guilty pleasure song that is not punk, right? Like a guilty pleasure song that you're almost maybe embarrassed to admit that you would love to turn into like a punk vibe. Okay. I love this question because I already know what I'm going to say. But right. I will preface it by saying <laughs> there are no guilty pleasures. There's just okay. Pleasures. That's fair. But That's fair. I... It's not really a secret in my band that I can sing almost every Amy Grant worship song from <laughs> the 80s. Oh my. So, given free reign, I was <laughs> I would love to turn one of those into a punk song just for my own amusement. <laughs> if you ever do, please send it our way. I yeah. Will. 
yes. mean, could you kind of just like sample it for us right now, though? <laughs> I don't know how to translate it into a pong song, but I can just sing Amy Grant. Yes. Yeah. Give we us, give us a, yeah. <laughs> Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, yes! oh my gosh. That was gorgeous. Your voice is gorgeous. I know. <laughs> I'm no Amy, but you know. Uh, <laughs> no, you're I Becky. mean, better maybe. <laughs> better. I'll put that out there. But anyway, wow. I, I want the punk version. Okay. Let's please make that happen. I'll let my bandmates know. Yeah. That's right. And dedicate it to us. Okay. Anxiety warriors, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. My final question. I'm going to steer, I'm going to do a hard left turn and just ask you to share the weirdest food you've ever eaten. All my food weirdness just came up. (laughs) So I, it may not be weird to most people, but it's weird to me because texture. So I'm going there. Um, I don't eat animal like I don't eat chicken or or like meat because of the texture of it. Like <laughs> trying okay. to eat it weirds me out. So for me, uh, it's gonna be any of that, especially like <laughs> chicken or turkey, because it just tastes very dry and sad. And so, <laughs> oh, I can't. Okay, I feel you yes. with that turkey no. dry and sad. Like yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. I- you know what? We never know how we're, how I never know how the answers to my questions are going to shape <laughs> up. Sometimes we end on a really silly, funny note. Sometimes yeah. we're a little bit like, okay, well, damn. But <laughs> and this is a little bit of both. Yeah. Although, do, do you have one more question, Abby? Yeah, I have one Okay, more good. Question. Oh, good. We're not going to well, end get to with end sad, on, dry turkey. <laughs> I get to end on a non-sad, dry turkey note. Okay. <laughs> so you actually, during the interview part, answered the lightning round question I had for you. Right. Okay. And so I'm going to ask you for, an, uh, and maybe that wasn't like your answer, right. But anyway, my question was going to be, cause I, I, I appreciated that. Although it's awful that they called you the prodigy child at 13 mm-hmm. for holding other kids grief. I appreciated that we all could kind of laugh at how yeah. absurd it was. Right. And I yeah. feel like a lot of anxiety warriors, one of their superpowers is humor, is seeing lightness in the heaviness. And so I was going to ask you about another anxiety warrior superpower. And then you said vulnerability. And I was like, but I'm still going to stick with the question, right? (laughs) With the exception of vulnerability and humor, you know, what would you say one of your anxiety warrior superpowers is? Compassion. Mm. It sounds so like crunchy when I say it, but like, I know what I'm going through just to get through every day. So like odds are somebody else is doing that. Like my best friend and bandmate lives two day, you know, two doors down from me. And we joke that like, we have to trade off bad days because we can't both have bad days at the same time. Like <laughs> it's my day to be a mess. Like, could you just hold it for me? And then yeah, tomorrow yeah. you can be a mess. Yes. So I feel like people who are already, and this can be true for people who, um, who have chronic illness as well, like, you know, physical illness, like we know how much it takes for us to get through days. And so we're just kind of naturally predisposed to being empathetic to that and other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so mm. beautiful. And also mm. sad 
sad and dry turkey. Yeah, I know. You got to ah, end boom. on that. That boom. is That's superhero status ending. right there. <laughs> You know, I was going to make like a thoughtful comment about Dr. Oh, Brene Brown, but no, we have to just no. scrap it. It's got to no. end on dry turkey. I feel like my Halloween costume next year is going to be like a sad and dry turkey that also is compassionate, right? I'm going to be like a superhero <laughs> sad, dry turkey. That'll be your anxiety warrior costume. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you just have to also wear a sash that says anxiety warrior turkey. <laughs> Yeah, sad, dry turkey. <laughs> I'm sad and dry. That is also sad and dry. Dot, dot, dot is also sad and dry. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a strange way to end our episode. Well, before we let you share with everyone how they can find you, how they can follow you on social, how they can come see your shows, connect with you, whatever you want to share. We love to ask all of our guests to share a win of the week, big or small. doesn't have to be something, you know, massive. It can be like getting a new job or it's, it can be as tiny as like you took a 20 minute nap yesterday and it felt amazing. Like, and it doesn't have to have been from this week. It can be from recent times, something that felt like a win. Um, yeah, I think I'm in a place of my complex trauma journey, um, where I am regaining my power. And so there is a particular situation with a particular person that could have me just, you know, flat on my back right now in <laughs> catatonic in, in my anxiety and panic and sadness and grief. Um, but I've noticed in the past couple of weeks that things that, you know, a couple of months ago would have just crushed me. I'm like, hmm. like, it sucks, but I, I am feeling a lot stronger than I have ever in my life. And so I kind of feel like even just turning 45 a couple weeks ago, I'm like, I'm just getting, I'm just getting started. This is awesome. Like, mm. Let's go. Let's go with the rest. You know, what's next? So yeah, I've had a lot of those feelings in the last couple of weeks. That's been nice. Those are huge. Those that are really huge massive. wins. Like noticing the shift. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And being able to say, I'm somewhat stronger than my former self. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Beautiful. All right. Well, that's better than the sad, dry turkey. To end on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell our listeners how they can connect with you. Sure. Um, like I've alluded to in, in this episode, I am definitely very open about my journey. That means I'm open to meeting new people who um, want to follow me and just kind of check in and, and, and create community with me. I, I love that. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Becky.Bontaine. Um, on my profile there, you will find <laughs> links for my band, The Iron Roses, and links to any place across the world that you can see me. But most importantly, just have you know connecting with me means that you have a place to kind of let go um because that's what it is for me so let's just <laughs> let's do that together yeah. mm, oh my gosh everyone go follow becky immediately yes <laughs> thank you so much yes. for being with us today and thank um you. we just we love you yeah we love you yeah we really do like <laughs> yeah exactly exactly hug the mic situation <laughs> this is we have screen grab of this this, this this doesn't look weird at all you you lived up to all of my expectations in oh, that thank email. god <laughs> i was worried all right thank you so much oh, becky have a good yeah, one thank, thank you, you. Too. bye, bye. You know, warriors, I feel like 
at the end of every interview, I, when I reflect on the episode, I think, wow, I really love that person. I really love that guest. And I feel genuine love for all of our guests. I don't know if I've said actually the words love you to very many of them though, while they're on the episode with us. Yeah. And honestly, it just kind of fell out of my mouth because it felt so like normal and organic for me to share that in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just feel such a warmth in my heart for Becca right now. Same. She just really showed us who she is in the best humanly way possible in so much deep vulnerability and honesty, which is, I just feel lucky and blessed and grateful that she was with us and that she shared so many details about her experience. Yeah. You know, not just with anxiety, but with depression and grief and, you know, just so much. So I'm, I'm already on the struggle bus trying to figure out what I want to share. I mean, I just want to say too, like, yeah, like she is so lovable and, and I totally felt the same way. Like, I just love her. Like, you know, it's like just a statement or a truth. Like, you know, like, like in that conversation, you're like, yes, like I wish she lived closer and we could hang out with her too. You know what I'm saying? Like this was both our, was this your first time meeting Becky? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was both our first times meeting Becky and it just felt so connected and like I mean like she said like vulnerability is a superpower and I think that's part of it is because we were all able to show our true selves with each other even though we don't know each other mm-hmm. right and that that brings about love it really does when you can yes. be your authentic self with other people mm-hmm. you know um of course it's gonna like evoke love unless your authentic self sucks and then it wouldn't but <laughs> <laughs> No, like sure. Maybe your authentic self is dry, sad turkey. Yeah, and then that's not going to evoke love for anyone. Evoke, 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 evoke. Evoke. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to bring love, right? If that's your authentic self. But Mm -hmm. for the three of us, like, I just feel like we were all vulnerable and honest and 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 comfortable in the conversation that we could see past the layers of mud that have been thrown at us along the years and just see each other's like, I'm not going to say soul, but you know what I mean? Like inner humanity, like humanity. Yeah. And feel that love connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So you got anything? Oh, I get to go first. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, I mean, one of, one of the like, just, okay. Well, there's like a two part takeaway. So the first, my first takeaway, which is a two part is first of all, she just explains things so perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I totally relate to like stepping into a place and looking for the exit, right? Yes. Like I need to know that. But one, I don't always do it consciously. And two, I don't always like verbalize it. I think I verbalize it like 0.1% of the time when I'm doing it, even though it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And like I ask other people like, hey, do, do you look for the exit, right? Um, but the way that she just paints the pictures of stuff, I just totally resonated with. And a lot of times I got like chills or I just felt like this heart to heart connection. Um, Mm -hmm. so this connects to my first takeaway, which is just, I loved when she talked about anxiety being a shapeshifter, because Mm -hmm. again, I just think one for a lot of people that don't like live chronically with anxiety, right. They just think it's like nervousness, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
talking about as a shapeshifter really gives more context and language to the experience, right? Yep. And since all of us have our anxiety shapeshift differently, right? It shows up as overthinking. It shows up as not wanting to leave your bed in weighted blanket. You know, it shows up as scanning the room for the exit. It shows up as sweating. It shows up as, you know, needing to be perfect to be seen, right? It's yeah. always shape-shifting and the shape-shifting, the way that it tries to like weasel into us changes our behavior if we're not aware of it, right? And so I mm -hmm. just really like the language of of shape-shifter. And I think I'm going to try to like incorporate that more when I talk about anxiety because mm -hmm. I feel like it it takes away how how so many people want to define it as just like yeah. being afraid, right? Because right. it's not just being afraid, right? Yeah. Um, it's so many more things. And so I just like my my first takeaway is just really the appreciation of the language she used and how the language she used really impacted the way that I heard her story and what she was saying. And it also made me feel more connected because I was like, fuck yeah, anxiety yeah. is like a shapeshifter. And it it even had me have more reflection on my own anxiety in the moment about all of the ways it shapeshifts. Because I say like sneaky, right? Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. It could be a sneaky shapeshifter. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> but it definitely shapeshifts. And you have to be more clever than it to really see when it's changed its shapes. Mm -hmm. What I love about it too is that it's it adds like a visual element, especially for people mm -hmm. that that don't aren't you know experienced anxiety warriors as we are. It's just like oh okay, I can get my head around that as like a in like a physical sense, as opposed to like it's just an emotion, or it's just a shift in our you know um, the ener the energy or or a feeling like it. I I like the visual add on of like, or at least for me because we know that we both think in pictures, right. And think in like, you know, external things that are part of our everyday life or part of our past or whatever. And so I'm able to connect to it better when I think of it is and how it relates to me. Right. And so I feel like for all the warriors, the, hopefully you're able to take what she said about the fact that her anxiety shape shifts and moves and, becomes different things and changes all the time and is continuously evolving and has been throughout her life and be able to recognize it in, as something that's true for them as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And be able to use the phrase shapeshifter and create a visual around what that is in order to be, make it a little bit more real or tangible for folks. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love it. So good. I think my Hmm. I, and I really related to the exit strategy thing. I'm pretty sure that I had, that was like a good part of one of my strategies for like, I think it was, it wasn't our small talk episode, but it was something we were talking about, like networking. I feel like I was telling a story mm. about a networking event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my immediate was just to make sure I was, I had a way out of here if, and when it becomes intolerable mm -hmm. for one reason or another. Yeah. And so I very much related to that moment as well. Um, I just found her story around her experience with losing her dad at 13 in such a tragic way mm -hmm. and the trauma that came after it with not being able to process her own grief because she was labeled as this incredible prodigy of grief. And she was just like, I think she even said like she decided at that age that she was just going to win grief. 
And there was just so much to that entire situation and listening to her share about that story um, that I don't really have a takeaway. I guess my reflection is just that A, it's ridiculous to ask children to become parents or caregivers or therapists for other children. And B, what an incredible testament it is to the type of human being that she is, Mm -hmm. that even at 13, she felt called to help others. I mean, maybe some of it is just like, oh, if I can help other people process their grief, I don't have to face my own. But at that age, right? And it sounds like it's been a consistent truth for her through adulthood um, to be able to say, hey, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm not just going to have to go through this for me. I'm doing it so I can bring people along so I can hopefully help them too. And it just, it's just so stark to me that she's just innately good in that way, right? To, to, to somebody who just cares for other people, even since that tender age of having gone through so much intense trauma themselves to be able to just be like, actually, I'm not alone in this. And I'm going to make sure I even my, in my 13 year old brain and my 45 year old brain, right. That I'm going to do what I can to bring people along with me yeah. and lift them up and care for them and have compassion. As she said, towards the end, yeah, love them empathy. Right. So right. I think that's my, my main. Yeah. My main I mean, it's her superpower for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'm going to take my takeaway off of that one. Cause that was something that also really stuck out. Like, first of all, I really appreciated talking about grief because grief and anxiety are really good friends too, right? And grief can change the way you sleep. Like it can change your sleeping habits. And grief is also a shapeshifter. It's not just being sad. It's not. Um, And so I really want appreciated her sharing her experience with grief. Um, But, but the part of the takeaway that I'll, I'll put, because otherwise I'll just say everything you said, right. Um, Is, is, is just simply like how children navigate trauma, mm-hmm. right? And how as adults, we might be like, oh, they want to help others or, oh, right. And we need to really pause and ask like, hey, are they processing? Are they, right? Because that 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 performance that wanting to help others that that being honored for helping others right can cause a really nasty spiral loop you know like i i remember when when she was talking about that it made me think about when my friend in high school when her mom was dying from cancer and we were in high school right she was like my best friend and i remember feeling like whenever i went to the house i had to perform and make people laugh that was something that like, if, if I didn't lighten the mood in some way, I felt like I was no use. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was much older that I realized that that was my way of coping with this really challenging thing. Right. And so when she's talking about, you know, like helping other children through grief and how the grownups view it as like, oh, she's so strong or, oh, she's one grief, you know, like whatever it is, I just feel like even now as grownups, when Big things are happening with kids. Let's really give kids the chance and not feel like they have to take on more responsibility for other people and that it's really okay to just take like responsibility for yourself or ask for help or, or process yourself, right? Like, because the helping others kind of, even as grownups takes away from our ability to be with ourselves and companion ourselves. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, 
it wasn't a well-formed takeaway, but I just know that that's what I was feeling hearing that. And then hearing you, it's like, let's, let's just think about children. <laughs> yes. Right? It all and then grownups to too. Right. Like- right. Exactly. It's just why let's give people, let's give human beings space to experience what they are experiencing, right. Yeah. Without having to jump in and offer any kind of feedback, whether you think it's good or helpful or kind or whatever, or not. It's just, I feel like we're all just so afraid and um, I'll paint with a broad stroke in this moment. Cause I feel like even those of us that are working really hard at doing better, still have moments of this. And it's just like, we all would love to just gloss over a situation and make it better for mm-hmm. our friends, our families, our loved ones, our communities, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's almost never what anyone needs. It's never what anyone needs. It's never what anyone wants. Um, and it's only going to make people, children especially feel more alone in their feelings. If you don't let them know that it's normal, if you don't let them feel and experience it and just be there with them as they experience it. Right. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, you've heard me say this before, but like there needs to be so much more education on grief and how to navigate grief. Um, because even as a grown up, yeah. I felt super alone in my grief, right? Because people yep. don't know how to handle it. And so it's so easy to want to just help others because it's like mm-hmm. no one even understands my grief. So why am I going to sit around right. and talk to people if they don't understand when I can just go help others with it? Because I understand, right? So I yeah. totally get that why people want to help others. And I think it's great you want to help others. Um, but there needs to be that balance where you give yourself permission or a chance to to companion yourself through it. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I could talk about grief forever. So I, I, Becky, I so appreciate you talking about grief because I'm definitely passionate about bringing way more awareness to grief. So thank you for that. Yeah. I've thought way more about grief only mo- mostly because of you. Um, because I mean, and because you speak so passionately about it, because, you know, because of your, you're my good friend and the loss that you experienced not that long ago. Right. Yeah. And so it's, and you, you, you approach a subject with such a, an openness and a, and a kindness to other people that maybe aren't listening or that you believe that they're doing their best, but you know, anyway, I, I'm not they really sure what better. I want to say here. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't want to say that because, well, I mean, we could all do better period. We could. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is and I'm, I'm struggling to to say it well, I just feel like I want to, I've said it to you before. I'm grateful that you are, you're the kind of person that didn't just take maybe the way people treated you after your dad died mm-hmm. um, and shut them off or stop talking to them because they didn't respond to you in a way that was helpful or supportive. Instead, you told them what you needed Yes. You, you know, like, and you were, but you were kind and honest about it without right. being like, well, I'm just going to turn away from you now. Cause clearly you don't get it. Right. Right. You had a level of empathy yourself, even as the one that experienced the struggle to say like, Hey, everyone's having a hard time with this. If I didn't used to know how to handle it either. And so like, what can I do to educate? Right. It's mm-hmm. like it's all that vicious cycle too. It's like, is it on you to educate? No, but you're still taking that role a little bit, right? Because yeah. it's like at the end of the day, you want more people to be more informed about how to talk to people or hold space for them yeah. in their grief. 
Totally. Right? And so it's a it's a weird balance to strike for for anyone that's suffering mm-hmm. or struggling with not just grief, but with anything, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to explain my anxiety to people is really exhausting. Mm-hmm. I wish people would just learn about it themselves and just have a better understanding of how to talk to me. But that isn't necessarily the case, right? And right. people aren't going to necessarily come to you with that. And so anyway, getting off, but my but final now, takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No. I was going to say, now we can say anxiety is a shapeshifter and yeah. there's something called Google. <laughs> Here you go. Breaking news. (laughs) Understand anxiety. Breaking news. Um, My final takeaway is a quick one. It was just at the end there when she offered herself that advice of just like letting herself show up and shine fully, but also doing it imperfectly. Yes. That that should be our motto for life. Forget about Mm -hmm. our younger selves. That should be everyone's motto from this moment on is Mm -hmm. just showing up authentically, showing up as yourself and do it imperfectly. And you deserve to do it imperfectly yeah. and take up that space. It's yours. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was, that was there in the heart. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for being a guest on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, Warriors, if you'd like to connect with us for any reason, join our Instagram fam. We're at anxiety warriors podcast. Or you can feel free to shoot us an email at anxietywarriorspodcast at gmail.com. You can shout out your wins of the week, big or small. You can share any topic ideas you have um, for us, things you'd love to hear us chat about. Let us know. Or if you think you would be an amazing guest on our show, you have an anxiety warrior journey that you'd love to share. Also let us know. Hit us up on Instagram or shoot us an email. Take a moment and smash that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in. You can like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of our episodes are uploaded for you over there. And if you're feeling extra generous around this time of year, you can grab yourself some Anxiety Warrior swag at our link. I always want to say link in bio because it's what I'm used to saying <laughs> on Instagram. At our link in our show notes, you can hop on into our Threadless merch shop and grab yourself some Anxiety Warriors swag. Woo! What a mouthful. You did it. That did was, it. I was impressed. That was nailed it. Um, anyway, thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. Uh, we are so grateful that we get to do this with you all. Till next time. 